Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. The only podcast that combines the two greatest things in the world, politics and Real Housewives knowledge. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined here by my lovely co-host, Maritza. Now, every week, we kick off the podcast with a callback to our favorite housewives taglines. Maritza, why don't you start us off this week? What's your tagline, and which housewife are you repping this week? So, I'm going with uh, Teresa Judice, formerly known as Judice. Um, I'm going with her season three tagline, and it's, I'm a Jersey girl. No one can knock me down. Ooh, nice choice. <laughs> so I also, I also went with New Jersey. I chose Siggy Flicka, uh-huh. season seven. Uh, <laughs> some people think I'm too much. They're absolutely right. Yeah. That. Couldn't help. Yeah. <laughs> Had to that go fits you. That fits you this week. <laughs> it does, right? I <laughs> felt like it was the appropriate choice for how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, so Mercury and retrograde. Right. I know. <laughs> A lot going on. Um, obviously, yeah, so much going on in the world, so much going on in California with the wildfires. Um, things are just a bit of a mess here across the state. Um, but I wanted to give just like a quick overview of what we're going to talk about on the podcast. So for the first half, we're going to continue our conversation about sexual harassment. And then the second half, we're going to look at what's going on in Atlanta and New Jersey and recap some of the latest drama with our favorite housewives. All right, we've got a lot to cover, so let's kick things off with uh, your stories this week. Great. Um, So I I wanted to revisit our conversation that uh, we started on our first episode of the podcast, which was about the conversation, the cultural shift we're seeing around sexual harassment. Um, And the story that I really honed in on was the Time Person of the Year cover, uh, which... uh, was the silence breakers, quote unquote. So it was women who've spoken out against sexual harassment. So on the cover, you know, Ashley Judd, Taylor Swift, um, Adama Iwu, who's a corporate lobbyist who helped draft uh, the letter that 140 some odd women uh, in the Sacramento, um, in in the capital, in state capital in California, signed uh, just addressing this sort of cultural systemic issue of harassment in the capital and, and wanted to find solutions to address it. Um, And so that was sort of the piece, which in part I think was a really great victory for a lot of the conversations that we've been having for some time now. Um, And really, again, bringing that into the fold, bringing that into the public space. Um, There was a lot of backlash associated Mm -hmm. with this article, with the cover and with the sort of accompanying piece. So one thing that was sort of glaringly obvious was, you know, Tarana Burke, uh, who was the founder of the Me Too movement, was left off of the cover and was in fact buried within the article. So really, her work was further marginalized, um, further mm-hmm. sort of pushed to the side, which is just completely inappropriate. And, you know, a lot of women of color were, were calling attention to that, which, you know, thank goodness, um, because it was just a really unfair treatment of someone who <laughs> started this whole hashtag and then had appropriated <laughs> um, yeah. by a white woman, by a white woman, Alyssa Milano, um, who had, of course, no idea where that whole concept had come from and just used it and then really got all the credit initially. Now, since then, I know they've both Alyssa Milano and Toronto Burke have been in conversations and have developed sort of a nice, you know, friendship. And so that's going to a good space. But again, just an example of white women's pain, white women's trauma being affirmed, being believed over that of women of color, um, which is a huge issue. Um, 
So that's been kind of, I think, a part of the public conversation around that. And then the other thing that's interesting, um, and Ritz, I'm curious for your comments on on this as well, too, um, is this sort of growing trend on sort of the alt-right side uh, to sort of weaponize the whole Me Too movement for their own political gain. So I'm really curious to sort of hear your comments on that. And we we can dig into that a little bit more. Right. Do you want me to go? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, so, I, I'd love to. Yes, yes. So I I definitely think that there's been – so you touched on a few things I want to discuss. So definitely interesting that they left Toronto Burke off the cover, and I was really saddened because I agree with what you said is that there's this always marginalization, especially when a woman of color comes up with a movement that's powerful. There always seems to be like a white person, white woman in this case, reaping the benefits. Okay? Absolutely getting the credit by hanging on to the tailcoats. And like Alyssa Milano came up and said, I don't know where it came from. I just kind of ran with it. You know, you read so many things on Twitter, on social media, the articles on Facebook that you just kind of like see an idea. And it's, it's kind of hard to have an original idea. So when someone has one, it should be acknowledged and it should be spotlighted. And I think that it's, I'm, I'm sad that time magazine didn't feel it was necessary to put the person of this movement on their cover. Right. Uh, second thing is I have a huge, I'm an, I'll go to the all right thing first. I'm just going to discuss the first parts. <laughs> I, I understand why they put Taylor Swift on the cover. I do think that her lawsuit was interesting that she, she sued a DJ because he groped her right, and she right. won the lawsuit and then she countersued for a dollar as a tactical yeah. move saying, I don't need your money. I'm just trying to prove right. a point that it's not okay. Hey, applaud the girl. Like it's great. I don't think that she deserved to be on the cover. I think that it was a way to sell magazines and show how these poor white women um, have suffered when they didn't discuss the amount of trans murders this year. Okay, like trans, right. the, the number right. of women being right. murdered in the trans community has, I would I would say tripled, but I don't think that number does it justice. And they're not just, you know... They're horrific deaths. Being murdered is a horrific death. And I just think that that was just the way to sell magazines. And that's, again, sad point number two. Right. Okay. So the alt-right thing is just so interesting that there's this, like, it reminds me of, I can't remember the name of the movie. So (laughs) bear with me. When Elizabeth Taylor gets a lobotomy. Okay. It's a it's a movie that oh, I'm going to kill myself for not remembering the name. But she gets a lobotomy because she's basically like crazy in the movie. Okay. Okay. And it's always so easy to label someone crazy and salacious, especially a woman. Right. Absolutely. Why would why would you put yourself out there? All you want to do is move forward and it doesn't matter who you hurt, you know. I think of like the Roy Moore accusers and I see more about like in terms of articles about how the accuser was proven wrong. Accuser fesses up to lying about her experiences with Roy Moore. Okay. I just Googled accuser it. Accuser came. Uh-huh. I just what Googled movie it? it. Was it suddenly last summer? Yes. Okay. Great. Such a good movie. Um, I, I own like all of her movies and that's really sad that I can remember that one, but okay. I remember, I remember the premise of it. It's a, it's an amazing movie and they, they give her lobotomy and it's really, really sad. It's a good book too. 
So it's, wow, is that the brain more? I think it's really easy to de-weaponize someone in this movement. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to discredit them. And I think the alt-right is uh, doing a good job. I hate to no. say it, but they're doing a good job. And credit where credit is due, like, way to bring back the Nazis, all right. Way to discredit uh, women of intelligence. Way to discredit someone's experience. And they're doing it successfully. And that's why we have who we have in charge in our local politics, in our state politics, and in the federal government. Because yeah, they're no, mobilized. I, I am completely on board with you. So I was reading about this today, um, and the, the article that I found was in The Guardian. It was written by Rebecca Solnit, who's a pretty well-known feminist author. Um, mm-hmm. And she brought to light a really interesting example of this sort of weaponization um, of, of the Me Too movement and how you know the alt-right and more conservative leadership are trying to sort of, again, create sort of a wedge issue that diminishes women's voices and again discredits our voices you know in in this space um right so she mentions uh the experience of a writer and i'm gonna do my best to pronounce her name correctly uh igioma oluo uh so it said you know last week uh had usa today asked her to write a piece arguing a feminist position against due process Mm. she says an editor there told her they want a piece that says that you don't believe in due process and that if a few innocent men lose their jobs it's worth it to protect women is that something you can do they were asking her to say feminists are happy to harm individual men for the good of the cause and are not interested in distinguishing innocence from guilt. She refused. Uh, that's not who she is and not who feminists are. The slogan, quote unquote, believe women, um, arose because women have often been assumed from the outset to be crazy, mendacious, manipulative, um, and anything but honest uh, when they charge men of sexual crimes. That's why their claims are often dismissed out of hand rather than investigated. So I thought that was a really interesting quote yes to pull and i'm seeing it more and more in fact i was on facebook earlier today and just you know having conversations with people in my sort of social circle and uh, again i'm seeing this this due process piece continue you know both from liberal men and conservative men kind of come in there and i am a little concerned about the effectiveness of that and how damaging that could be yes and i also think that we have to remember like I'm going to sound a little like, I'm going to sound like how I usually am. I think there's something wrong because the patriarchy is in charge. Okay. Right. It's so easy to. Until we really want the patriarchy guiding this discussion. Exactly. Exactly. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Women undercut other women to get ahead. It's like, no, we're not men. Um, I don't do that. I don't feel the need to, if I don't get something, it's because it, was not for me i'm not vindictive like a man there's not that much ego involved and i think our ego i think the reason the me too movement has become so important is because that is such an ego movement such an ego-based movement for women me too is hey like i've been hurt too and right i need this and i need to say that it happened because i need to validate myself and how stuff that we live in a day and age where we don't get that validation regardless the snl skit that they did was so interesting i don't know if you saw it with yes. the um security guard and the boss yes do you want to provide yeah a quick so summary? yeah so sure. keenan it was uh james franco who i have a picture with at the women's rally by the way um <gasps> I know he's yeah I know <laughs> I'll share it later um so I'll throw it back Thursday so 
uh, James Franco um, was the host and Kenan Thompson. They did this thing where it was in a corporate setting and one of the actors comes out and says, you know, we've decided to fire the security guard and the man in charge and the boss, whomever, the supervisor, let's just say, because they've both been making very inappropriate comments. So you have the supervisor who's been complimenting women on their dresses and, you know, maybe should smile more because, you know, basically kind of like PG things. Then mm-hmm. they have the security guard who was a, a person of color who would make these ridiculous comments about how he wanted to, like, abduct someone because she was so beautiful. And they just, like, laughed it off. Like, oh. Right, oh, right. Oh, like, let's just say, oh, Larry. Like, that's so funny. You're just being Larry. So and silly. The, and then the supervisor, they were like, you're disgusting. You make me sick. And it's like this. <laughs> It's like what the wow. alt-right's done, right? Like, women yeah, are absolutely. willing to undercut whoever is in power to move forward, quote-unquote. You don't see me doing it, but I'm doing air quotes, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote. But if, the, if, if a man is beneath them, then whatever. We're not going to do, we're not going to make any moves there. And that's the irony. Like, it's not okay on any level. And right. we're not going to, and we're not, the reason it's, it's important for it to be those in charge is because the patriarchy is in charge. Right, right. And I think that's what's so interesting about continuing this conversation. And I'm sure we'll we'll revisit it in future podcasts to come is, yeah, you know, again, probably we'll every week, about, <laughs> probably every week, because <laughs> men are shitheads, and they continue to prove that every yeah. damn day. Um, let's not say let's not say men, the patriarchy. The patriarchy. I know. Yeah. I know. I, I don't want to be called out for being Gosh. an asshole. Yeah. Um, You're such a feminazi, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, (laughs) as a jewish woman i don't quite know how to take that but i'll oh i oh whoa okay that'll that'll take me back to uh the new jersey episode (laughs) i'm totally i'm totally teasing it's fine um but (laughs) no i i I think my my interest in continuing this conversation you know with you and just with other women and, and men in particular is you know with any social movement we have to understand the goals and we have to understand the leaders who are driving movements forward and in this case it should not be alt-right conservative white men right men need to be all men need to be a part of this movement to help make things better for women to make things better for women of color to make things better for the lgbt community and other people who you know in whatever sense can be marginalized by patriarchal systems but we cannot be taking our cues from (laughs) from republicans or alt-right leaders who are you know endorsing putting money behind people who are pedophiles who are you know just destroying women's lives and you know hurting women and 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 i just think you know every time we come back to this we have to consider who are the voices that are being heard who is not being heard who we need to be listening to Mm -hmm. uh, so that we can really have a have a thoughtful productive conversation and one that's less defensive because i feel like you know men are um just kind of freaked out by a lot of this right you know they they don't really you know yeah. of all political and, sort of <laughs> proclivities like it, it's right. just you know they don't know like what the right step is what the right move is and there's this kind of retreat um and we just i, I don't know we we, we got to keep finding ways to like draw them in um but also not excuse them from participating in this conversation either and i think it's also important to know which i think time magazine dropped the ball on is that yes there are many faces to the movement right 100 uh, percent 
there's not a lot of subs there's not many people with substance behind the movement and that i'm saying like you need to recognize those who are take making strides and really moving this forward and not just oh yeah this happened to me okay and so now what right exactly and, what? and that's and that's where we are right we're at yeah. the now what part of sort of this process you know and, and i know we'll continue to hear you know, women of sort of all backgrounds coming forward with stories and, and that's good and they should be encouraged to do so and feel confident to do so. Um, and sort of in step with that, we have to find, you know, concrete ways, you know, whether it's through electing more women to political office, which I think is a great strategy, progressive women in office. Whoa, we definitely whoa. need more of that. That's I know. Crazy. Am, I, am I getting too crazy? <sighs> more women in office? Rachel. I know. Oh, God, you're you're think you're crazy. Is it a pipe dream? Is that a pipe dream? Uh, we're know. we're gonna push <laughs> it forward because that's what's gotta happen. That's what's gotta yeah, happen. One hundred percent. And um, and and I'm just really excited to see you know some of the progress that's been made and 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 what's to come. So so I think there's a lot of good that continues to to come out of these discussions and out of the movement and um getting beyond some of the some of the window dressing actions to um things like you know sexual harassment trainings on the hill which i think you know are good and i'm glad that like both the house and senate you know staff and members are going to have Mm -hmm. to go through that i'm not particularly confident in the outcome of what that's going to be um but i'm glad that it's (laughs) happening i'm glad that it's happening because it's important a for effort Right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. We'll mm-hmm. see. <laughs> but but again, glad that it's happening. Glad that it's helping to sort of drive the conversation forward. And um, again, you know, there we're going to keep improving things as we go along. But I'm I'm so glad to see that this hasn't lost steam. And so I hope you know. I just I, I hope to just see the the conversation carry forward, and um, whether it's through getting more women elected to office, seeing more positive legislation, hopefully state and federal level coming through. Um, hopefully, once we get rid of our current president, <laughs> when we do, um, <laughs> I, I think there's I, I think there's some some good things to come. I think we just we have to you know weather this very tough growing pain right now culturally and and systemically but i think we'll i think we'll get there yeah this growth stunt we're in a growth stunt (laughs) right right stunted for a second yeah (laughs) we have temporarily stunted but we are going to get back on track (laughs) (laughs) that is the hope that is the hope um well i think we should maybe transition to a little real housewives recap at this point what do you think i think so um Yes, I think so. Is it time? Okay. Let's go. Where are we going first? We're going to Atlanta first? Yes. So we're going to Atlanta. Yeah. Because Atlanta, we'll stop first because it's on the way to New Jersey. So I'm from California. You and I are both in California. We'll go to Atlanta and then we'll hop on the red eye to New Jersey. Geographically, it makes the most sense. So last week, I want to apologize because it was really hard getting through Orange County. Such a bummer. It was so... (laughs) I tried really hard to be po- I honestly didn't even listen to the podcast because I was like I probably sound so bored and that wasn't my intention I really do love all the ladies of Orange County but you guys just kind of just kind of lackluster you know it's like it was uh, 
yeah it was like waiting in line all day at a ride at disneyland and then having it shut down (laughs) (laughs) you see everyone coming out really excited you're like oh my god i can't wait like i can't wait everyone's telling me how great this ride is and then they shut it down for the rest of the day missed opportunity and that's what it kind of felt like it felt like i had really pumped up amped up and no so apologies for that However, I'm going to make it up because Atlanta, New Jersey are lit. Okay? <laughs> yes. So we're about two weeks behind. Um, tonight airs Atlanta. No, or tomorrow night, correct? Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night's yes. Atlanta, Wednesday night's New Jersey. Atlanta saw the return, finally, of Kim Zolchak Beerman, who is... God. She needs to close her legs to married man, but she's already married. She she just brings it every single time, and I was so happy to see her. And it was chaos, okay? So first we have the Nini decide to throw a party where she had all her friends dressed in white, question mark. Yeah, and it was the all white, bring a, bring a gay, never forget, throw in shade party. <laughs> <laughs> was it it was crazy yeah it was you know and it's kind of weird because she's talked about how greg has his health problems but here she is like throwing like these parties and kind of being out there and i think that's nini's coping mechanism i also think that nini and i'll go deeper into this is trying to get back on the top of the hill mm, okay. and i think these are her attempts to do so so i personally thought that it was weird that it was like bring your gay friend it seemed like a party that was maybe like 20 years too late i totally agree it was a weird premise that people were having a bad reaction to it at the party even like you know derek the hairdresser was kind of like this is a little offensive yeah yeah he's like i'm not feeling this i like like this what do you mean bring your like it felt like bring your puppet gay as if there was no other place for men to meet other men it was like "Ah." right Right. Those right. places exist now, Nini. It's, it's 2017. <laughs> um, especially in a especially in a town like Atlanta, where that scene is pretty popping. Like places like LA, like New York. It, it was just. It was weird. Had that happened, maybe. Had that happened, maybe in Houston, I would have been like, oh, okay, that's a little interesting. But it didn't because they're not going to. They're way too conservative. So that that's what happened. Um, so. So they have the party and sorry, I'm just trying to make sure they have the party and everyone's there and Kenya rolls up and they're all kind of talking. Kenya and Cynthia are kind of buddy, buddy. I think that bothers Nini to no end. Oh, it definitely Charest, does. Charest kind of become the glue of the group. She can kind of hop over. Uh, Candy's again, you know, my feelings about candy. She's there, but kind of, I think she's just still really burned from last season. And then Kim shows up, and Kim came re- gloves on. She was just looking straight out the gate. She was Unreal. looking for Kenya, and she was she was going to drop it on her, and she did. Okay, so basically, what happens is that Kenya is just kind of sitting there, and Kim is just well. You know, they're talking about, like, oh, way to go, girl. Like, you got married. When are we meeting the husband? Again, the same conversation we've kind of seen in the past few episodes. Right, and Kim's just right, kind of, exactly. like, sidelining, like, mm, if he exists. Mm, yeah, her invisible husband. Mm-hmm. He's not real. He's right. not real. Shade, shade, shade. Shade. 
Kenya comes back and brings up the her kid situation, her husband, why are you talking about me? That whole like you're jealous. And, you know, obviously Kim's like, no, I'm not. You're fake. Your husband's made up. And then Kenya brings up the tweet heard around the world in terms of Real Housewives (laughs) where basically Kim pimped out her daughter, Brielle. And I think it was a joke. I think it was a a joke in bad taste, kind of like my feminazi joked 10 minutes ago. It was definitely a joke, yeah. Um, It was just done in really bad taste. and But it was a joke. And so she said, at least I don't pit my daughter out. And Kim lunged. uh, And Croy came out. First of all, kudos to Croy for coming out in the 11th hour every single time. Oh, my God. Seriously. He always comes in um, and just saves Kim from herself and her stupidity. He really in terms of in, ter- in terms of the heated movement, you know, moment. Right, right. I, I have to. I just have to go back to that tweet for one second because that was. I know it was probably a joke, but it was the grossest thing. I feel like I've like I can't. Oh, like, I can't Rachel, your mom has never. Your mom's <laughs> never pimped you out for concert tickets. Weird. I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe for Paul Simon. <laughs> I don't know, but. <laughs> oh my gosh! No. Yeah. No, it, it it was it was gross. It was like you know whose whose dick does Brielle was, have to suck, to, you know to, I mean, to get concert a, tickets. It was gross. It was a bad joke. These it people was a are really bad joke. These, these she's not a writer. You know she's <laughs> she needs a ghostwriter. She needs Carol Rathawells, who she needs. Yeah, she was just ghostwriter. being. She was just being Kim, just Miley, like Miley being Miley. She just Kim being Kim. Just Kim being Kim. <laughs> And so that kind of happens, and they take her to the party, and then, like, she kind of starts crying with Nini and saying, you know, they can say whatever they want to me, but you don't mess with my kids. And I'll say this much. Uh, Kenya didn't have to go there. She could have said a bunch of things. She also called her, like, like, kind of like a a slur, like a trans slur, and like, oh, did they finish your transition? They cut your, you know, penis off. That that was, was, that was low. That was low it was like, and unnecessary. Ha- I, I, you don't have to go for the kids. Like, and don't, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I don't think she's a kid, Brianna, but I just, uh, there's going to be more drama with her in the coming, uh, coming up in the episode. So I'm going to be like, be careful what I say, but she's an adult. And the joke that her mom made is at least she's 18. She's not a kid. And it was just a bad joke. And yeah, it was definitely in poor taste. Definitely yeah. in poor taste. So that's what Kenya needed. So as we move on in the episode, the following week, um, it's revealed that Kenya's grandmother died. And that's actually really sad because we've seen in the past how Kenya was raised by her and kind of had this really sad childhood growing up, kind of abandoned by her parents. They were really young. And so that was kind of nice to see, like, Kenya when she's normal and not amped up, ready to display I t- how perfect her I life is. I totally so. agree. I totally agree. It was a yeah. it was a sad but just again like we've talked about before like there are these like occasional really sweet human moments that we see, you know, whether in good times or not. Um and, and that was one of them. Like you see some of her interactions with her grandmother, you know, there was like a recording um that Kenya had of her grandmother in her hospital bed talking about like how she came to adopt Kenya, um, talking about how, you know, well, that's my baby. And you know, it was, it was very sweet. Uh, yeah. And I appreciate that because we have seen a lot of Kenya's human moments and they're appreciated. Yeah. They're necessary yeah. because other, she's just so extra most of the time. 
it's just too much. She's like on level ten, which needs to be like a level seven. Right. Right. Um. Then they, you know, almost switch over to Candy. So, like I said, Sheree's kind of been like the glue holding everyone together. She's mm-hmm. reinventing herself. She's seeing a life coach, and I guess she's gonna become a life coach or something. I don't know. Life coach Jack Daniels and yeah. not the bottle people. Actual yeah. man. <laughs> she's reveals finally that she's dating the felon tyrone right right and i guess that that's was so of, weird mm, it makes sense oh. though i don't know there's sheree likes it chaotic she, well she likes true. to be the calm in the storm of of other people's lives i guess i don't know how to explain that <laughs> but she is planning a trip to san francisco and decides to invite everyone so she goes over and runs and tells candy everything that happened at the party that she missed because Candy is so busy filming the cover of Essence magazine. But she's also complaining about how she never sees her kids. And then, like, tells a story about how she, like, picked up the wrong kid at the store. Because she didn't rec- remember what Ace looked like. I was like, that's kind of... That's horrifying. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> um, so, I guess the way to cure the fact that you don't spend time with your children is to go on a trip to San Francisco. Right, and not see them for longer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't run these people's lives. I just I just talk about them. <laughs> so, Nini also decides to go to San Francisco after Greg kind of gives her permission because he's kind of going through some health issues. Right. And I thought it was interesting that she opted to take Marlo. So, yes. here's here's how I'm going to connect it. Okay. I don't think that Nini can get over the fact that Portia is still on the show when it's been blatantly put out. They repeat it all the time that Nini did ask for her to be fired on TV. Right, right, right. She we said, know this at this point. Freaking frack need to go. Is that is that that's what she said? Or and what was it? I don't yes, know. She yes. Yeah, freaking frack. Yeah. Um Porsche's Porsche's become the outlier of the group so far, but I think the reason she's important is because that she's the only one in the group that can get uh, as of right now. We don't know what's going to happen. As of right now, that can get a rise out of Nini because she she's a reminder that Nini is was no longer in charge. And Nini likes again anything to get back on the top of the hill. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I mean even it goes. Back to like her tagline, you know, for this season, which is like after ten years, you know, I'm still I'm still the juiciest peach in Atlanta. Like she wants to be like the leader yeah. of the pack, the top dog, queen of the mountain, that whole thing. Um, and you're right, like right. Portia does get under her skin. Yeah, and I don't know if it's because Portia kind of has this is gonna sound weird. What Nini wants, and I mean that professionally. She's on the. She's on what's that Dish Nation, which is a right. fairly well-known show, and I I think as well it's been on for she's been on there for at least a few years, and I mean Nini got taken off of Fashion Police. There's I, I, Nini wants to be on TV, yeah, no, and she Portia is on TV every day <laughs> and twice on Mondays, so I think that it's it's important to remember that there's. A reason why Nini goes after Portia is because there's a lot of stuff in the background. Every time she says that Portia was talking about her, the clip they show is Portia just says, I'm not 
into like being friends with unsupportive people. I don't think she ever yeah. actually said anything bad about me because I think Portia also knows her place. She's a button pusher, but she's not going to press the eject button. There's a reason they keep letting her on the show after she attacked Kenya, after she went crazy on Cynthia. Right. Right. No. No, you're totally right. I agree. Yeah. Huh. So then they're in San Francisco, and I'm just going to fast forward here, and they're having dinner. Right. And I think that the crazy part is that Nini is the one who looked really erratic at the dinner when she was going after Portia, so... They brought up how Portia's been unsupportive and how when Phaedra was there, like, her and Phaedra should have gone because they were in on it. And Kenya kind of defends Candy, which is kind of nice, and says, like, Candy didn't know. She was kind of, like, this unwilling participant in this drama you were creating. And the whole time, Nini's bun is slipping. Right. Which- <laughs> and, and, and Marlo dressed in full lingerie and bunny ears. Um, and yes. Like, apparently 30-degree San Francisco weather. It's just like trying Crazy. to pin it on. I was like, that is such like a best friend move. Like your best friend is like just going ham after like a few shots to like the most random person just in the back. Like, ooh, girl, your eyelash is coming off. Like, let me just fix it for you while you're yelling. <laughs> and she's just trying to pin her butt off that was like slipping it was off her so, head. It was so good because, yeah. again, like to your point, like Nini was like so fired up and erratic yeah. and was like really going after Portia. Um, I mean, this was like head to head, you know. I, my favorite part was the inflection with the fuck you. No, fuck you. Like <laughs> yes. that back and forth is very. <laughs> was was amazing. And they're just like. Yeah. Then just Marlo just artfully like pulling that bun back together just really yeah. calmly was just amazing juxtaposition. Again, in full lingerie. Right, yes. And in bunny ears. Silky silks and <laughs> little little bunny ears. It's adorable. Yeah, and and I think it was good that Portia stayed so calm because it really showed like that I guess her anger management is working because apparently, yeah, apparently, if you can survive Nini, that encounter, Nini, yeah, Nini was going crazy, yeah. crazy, and that's where it kind of ended. Marlo and Cynthia needed to get up. Now the preview for tomorrow is that, or this week, is that Nini starts to feel really rejected by Cynthia, right? And there's which we've seen been, coming. And there's been hints of it, right? She, oh, you're mm-hmm. you're in Kenya's world now. You're best friends with Kenya. Blah 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 blah. Do you think that anyone is on Nini's side right now on the show? I or do you think everyone's kind of doing you... their own thing? Oh, ask the question one more time. Sorry, I missed you. I missed what you said. Do you think that Nini is kind of like on her own right now on the show without xing out Marlo, obviously? Yes. No, I do. I do. Okay. I, I think, I think she is definitely on her own. I mean, and I think we we have a lot of people who are kind of functioning in different modes of isolation, right? Like I think Candy sort of is, and I think Portia is too. Um, right. But I think Nini is certainly kind of feeling and I that say as that, well. Right, and I say that because, like I've said before, I don't think Candy's ever going to be the lead. And when she had the opportunity to be, no. it just kind of all went like array. They need someone like Nini to bring everyone in. But it's kind of been Sheree being the one to rally everyone. Absolutely. And she's, been the, she's been the connector. Yeah, the glue. Definitely the, the common yeah. thread. And so I think it's interesting that Nini's kind of grabbing and there's no one to hold on to. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's why she needs Marlo back just to have a, kind of a buddy. <laughs> she needs a little extra support and she just doesn't have it right now. Cynthia and Kenya are super close and I think Nini is resenting that in, you know, in some capacity. And I don't think she's made any attempts to really hide that either. So yeah, I think she's, I think she's finding herself kind of in this increasingly lonely and vulnerable spot. Yeah, I think she wants them to fan her like they do Teresa in New Jersey. Yeah. And yeah, that's not going to yeah. happen. It's not going to happen. Because yeah. guess what? They never stopped filming for Nini. <laughs> but they did it for Queen Trey. Right, 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 right. So speaking exactly. of New Jersey. Yes. We're getting back on the plane and we're going farther east, girl. Woo. All right. All right. So Atlanta was good. It had its moments. I think New Jersey, I think every single episode has been fire i honestly it's like it's been so good our outline my our outline this week is the longest it's five pages and i think like a page and a half of like 11 size font is mine of <laughs> just new jersey That's, so that is accurate <laughs> i'm gonna go into siggy so the last time we saw her she's on the retreat and the retreat continued right um she does this weird exercise where they'll have to like assume the role of the person they're having contact conflict with so obviously like Siggy becomes Margaret and um, Melissa becomes Margaret and so does, I mean, excuse well, me, Melissa, no, Melissa, Melissa becomes, Siggy. becomes Siggy and Margaret becomes Siggy because they're both having right. issues with them. And that right. was freaking hilarious. Okay. Like that was so it was, funny. It was so funny. And I, again, I didn't think that that was going to work. Yeah. Like I was with, I was with Melissa. I was like, this sounds like a terrible idea. I don't yeah. see how this is going to resolve any conflict, but it kind of helped. Don't yeah, I know it, it broke the bit? ice. It broke it broke the ice a little bit, and I think it kind of yeah. made things kind of light. I I definitely think that Siggy is like a pusher to her, on her brand, like all of them are. But she yes, just yeah. really she just really rehearses <laughs> like the whole thing. Hashtag, is really. hashtag know your worth. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's she's just very like she's all about. I it. have someone that I'm having problems with, and she goes into it. And it's like, oh god, <laughs> that is so that is so Siggy, I guess. So that was really interesting. The other part that that was interesting was when they were all sitting there kind of after that kind of fun, I guess, quote unquote, fun exercise. And they all got really real. And Margaret talked about openly oh now God. with the group yes. with, about her kids. And I thought that was that was really nice. And I think everyone kind of see human side of her. And then Teresa comes over and starts talking about her. She's with Joe and right. how she's actually angry at him. And then came over Dolores, and she invited them to her charity for dogs, right. and didn't open <laughs> oh up at my all. God. Yeah, that was that was incredible deflection because you had again you had Margaret talking about how she has this really fraught, damaged relationship with her children, where they're not even speaking to her. Um, you know, again Teresa, who is usually very, um, despite being a very emotional person, is like pretty stoic and detached from wanting to speak of her own personal experiences you know opening up and sort of bearing some of that and then you know Dolores is like do you guys want to come to a dog charity it's like and she's kind of like sitting on like the chair like kind of like degaff like oh that's nice I'm doing a dog charity and I would really like if everyone was there like right right. okay it was like they all kind of looked at each other and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and you can disagree with me if you want because I really like Margaret I think she's a really cool addition um, to the show. No, I, I I am coming around to Margaret. You know how I feel about okay, the pigtails. Cool. I'm not. I'm not big You're on not the pigtails. But yeah. 
No, I, I, I agree. I like, I like her depth and I like her complexity. Um, yeah. She, you know, probably of like any of the franchises, she feels like one of the most down to earth people we've seen. Yeah. Um, and like hardworking and like she really knows her brand and she just seems kind of like a cool chick. Like she is. Know. And like the way she's, you know, I guess it was this season, you know, Melissa Gorga establishes her own little boutique. Um, and she's looking for a little bit of mentorship, which Margaret provides her with because Margaret has her own sort of fashion business and kind of really takes her under her wing, which again, is just kind of incredible to see, uh, in these, in these circles. And again, just sort of shows, her depth and capacity um just as a professional as a woman as you know a friend uh which which i'm, I'm enjoying so i'm i'm with you I'm, I'm warming up to her yeah no I, I i really like her and i the pigtails i don't mind but i, I get where you're coming from with that and i, know, I agree i, I think she's she, <laughs> she's she's come in she's come in really as real as you can get on the real houses of new jersey and that's appreciated um, so at the dog charity, the conversation comes up right. about uh, certain happenings, certain brewings that will be coming Ooh, up. I wonder what it could and be. And it's called the Posh Fashion Show. Oh no! And oh, they bring up yeah. how they are going to participate. And so, but okay, right. okay, okay. Right. So that Dolores and Ziggy, right? So the the seat is sort of there okay Del- Mar- margaret tells melissa and like one of those really stage like dinners like oh come to milan like oh that's like a great idea okay like, right, let's do a it. reason a reason for the trip which also means i think that Teresa's probation is over since she can leave the country so right, interesting right. side note right, um so yeah. they go to the dinner and they're like oh we're so excited we're gonna go to milan blah 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 Okay, I'm going to pause that part of the story there. I'm going to go back. Siggy okay. and Dolores had gone into Posh to buy something tacky at Kim's boutique. <laughs> and Kim DePaulo, who has been notorious on The Real Housewives, she's the friend of, but always causes drama. Last year they found, I think, one of her family members murdered, to burned in a car. Like, she's very, like, she's very New Jersey. She and is she so starts, New Jersey. She starts talking about how... She knows that Teresa is trifling on Joe. And Siggy goes, that's nonsense. You're crazy. Right. That's a rumor. Right. It's a rumor. On like level 10 Siggy, of course. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that Dolores didn't really say anything and just kind of like chuckled and smiled during. I don't think it was sarcastic, sarcastic, <laughs> but I think that it was definitely like. Now, do I think that Teresa's cheating on Joe? I mean, probably. Who cares? He's in jail. Okay. <laughs> do I think Wherever. that Joe? Do I think that Joe cheated on Teresa? I mean, probably. Probably. Who cares? She was in jail. It is. They have their issues. It's a marriage. Okay. My favorite part of it is that they ask her, "How do you know?" Well, one of my girls up them at a club, and she was holding on to one of her old flames. Right. 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 So nobody has a camera phone. Yeah, like, club. where are we? Like, is New Jersey, like, <laughs> are we in the There's, Twilight Zone? Like, like <laughs> nobody where? has, like, a phone to which to, like, take a picture with. I just think that that's 
that's interesting that it's a little flimsy yeah yeah everything is just like word of mouth and like i might have seen something but i have no proof of it i mean it's just it's just all gossip right and i agree and i agree with what like Teresa kind of has said like if it's true then why aren't there pictures right where's where's the girl where's the guy like i feel like they would run to the tabloids because there's money there so then the dinner happens and Siggy kind of announces that she and Dolores are going to be walking in the posh fashion show. And Teresa goes, why? Why? <laughs> right. Um, the reason, because they're friends with her, I guess. You know, they can be friends with other people, Teresa. But then again, yeah. the dynamic in New Jersey is very different from Atlanta. Every it's... single one of the other housewives b- bows to Teresa. That's right. And it's very, it, it's so loyalty driven. I mean, it's yes. like a very classic traditional Italian sense. Like everything is about loyalty. And, um, and you know, Teresa is, she is like, she is the OG of that franchise and she is not here for anything else. Like she no. wants people to bow down to her and yes. literally kiss the ring. And, yeah. you know, she doesn't like that. Mm. And I don't think it's, she's even, I don't think it's even that smart or tactful. I just think that no, it's you, not, definitely not. <laughs> she, she says, you guys need to get along with me because I'm the show. And she's absolutely right. I don't care what anyone says. Teresa Judice, Judice is New Jersey, is the Real Housewives. Without her, it's nothing. For sure. For sure. Yes. Absolutely. So then it goes into the whole dinner. So Dolores tells Teresa what Kim's saying about her cheating on Joe and everything just goes all the way left. Just so she like, she like gets heated. I don't know if you heard me say that, but... She gets heated like that, and she <laughs> lashes out at Dolores. She goes, "You should have stuck up for me." And then, you know, throws especially a wine glass. after, yeah. <laughs> and then she goes. Then Dolores says, "I always stay neutral. I'm Switzerland." Um, and you know, Melissa then tells Dolores that they don't live in Switzerland; <laughs> they live in Jersey. <laughs> so like, just pick to be clear. a side. Siggy <laughs> yeah. then chimes in, says they're overreacting. Teresa like doesn't even have like time to like grasp like what's going on and she goes it's not fucking true you should have stuck up for me boom glass breaks everyone in the restaurant looks around while they're eating their uh, fettuccine alfredo chicken parm whatever (laughs) it is they're eating and it's she's I mean it has been proven that in this in this pack and this crew Teresa is the silverback (laughs) <laughs> she is the quarterback. She is the captain. She is the almighty. And she's angry and everyone needs to get in or get out. It was crazy she, how fast that whole argument yeah. escalated. I mean, and then Dolores. Yeah. Dolores like yeah. pounded her, te- her hands on the table and said, I did. I did stick up for you. I mean, and then Margaret then kind of tells everyone to like calm down. Right. And so like, everyone's it's chill. Sick. That, yeah, and then get Siggy mad because Siggy's like, oh, why are you why are you getting involved? Which I thought was right. kind of lame. I think just Siggy was trying to stick up for Dolores without again going at Teresa. Right. And so they walk out, and then Teresa at that point basically says like, "I'm rallying the troops. We're going to that posh fashion show. F them. I'm figuring it out. I'm going to confront her." And so then we go to the posh fashion show. Ooh. Okay, so I'm going fast. So it's basically uh, Teresa and like this very like 
breakfast crew. I mean, some of them were calling. I know Andy Cohen called like Teresa and her Charlie's Angels, which was kind oh of my funny. God. Yeah, no, but, it's so true. And I'm missing some parts of the episode, people. That's just because I'm trying to get to like the really like meaty part. So they show up like dressed to the nines, ready to go. Now they confront Kim. She comes out in all her glory. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, you know, she brings in the cheating. Uh huh. Go ahead. Oh, I, I just had to make one comment because I don't know if you picked this up or had this observation too. But when when Kim D comes out, and I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones, but my first thought was, oh my god, she looks like the Night King. She was yes. in that blue yes. dress, and yes. she's got her eyes are like very almond shaped and like very. <laughs> Small, back. and she's got pulled back and she's got these like big lashes and blue eyes and i was like she looks like the goddamn night king yeah winter no, she, is here she looks screwed. like the dragon that they stick out and become <laughs> spoiler alert becomes like the 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 white king's dragon that's yes, what she looks exactly. like exactly a scaly old dragon oh, so she comes I'm so out glad you thought that too okay yeah yeah i didn't think it but i now i think it so now i'm just <laughs> thinking of that dragon when i see kim but she comes out and like all her glory and she's just like i saw you and then she's like no i didn't and again the story is like one of my girls saw you hugging him and you know and then they're going back and forth and melissa kind of gets like hung up on the fact that like dolores and siggy aren't really doing anything right again you have like they're just kind of standing there and you know of course Teresa goes into you know what posh stands for piece of shit Cool core home wrecker every day, which every of course day. she, which of course she practiced on her way there in the limo. She's like, she's like, I gotta remember how this is spelled. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And like I never would have gotten there myself. So I'm so glad Teresa did. Yeah, and then I liked also that like Margaret and Siggy, like I mean Margaret and um, Danielle, Danielle, like went at like him, and you know. Danielle was like waiting for. Oh, a she moment. was. She was so ready to strike. I mean, you she could just was, tell she has been waiting since her hair extensions were pulled. You know, like seven years ago. She was going to get a piece. She was going to get a piece of the action. She was ready. She was. So ready. then things are kind of escalating, and I think that Teresa notices that she's not really reacting to her anger, and then they do the whole like they pull her away. And she goes, ooh, I would like to just, you know, grab you. And she's like, what? What are you right. going to do? And obviously right. she can't do anything. And then she just throws a, a chair, which I think is a downgrade from a table. But this is where we're yeah. at. She almost threw that glass, too. Like, you see her ooh. reach for that glass. And she, like, almost does it. And then she's, she stops. Teresa's um, just better at throwing furniture. She is. I mean, <laughs> queen of the table flip. Like, come on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's give it up for sure. her. For sure. So then we have that, and then, okay, so then they all kind of, like, walk away, and then Dolores and Siggy are like, oh, no, I forgot the other part, too. So Melissa says something, and she goes, and she's like, none of them react to what Teresa says, but Dolores has a visceral reaction to when Melissa says something and goes, you don't tell me what to do. Right, because what Melissa says You can't walk in the fashion show. Exactly, like, you can't Mm -hmm. have just seen this what's happened and, and still exactly so walk in the okay. fashion show and right. be okay with this and then Dolores is like don't tell me what to do and like they get in each other's face and they have this really intense 
moment of just, yeah. you know, yes, yes, yes. And then I thought their excuse of, like, they're doing it for charity was their reasoning. A little thin. Like, yeah. I think if that had been me, I would have left. I mean, I thought that was a little crazy to have seen that and then still participate. Be okay with it. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, I, guess they're lo- I guess they're loyal. I don't know. Whatever. But Ugh. then, again, we fast forward a little bit. And they go into Dolores and Siggy are having lunch with Frank, who is Dolores' ex-husband, current roommate. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and In the most kind of normal of reason- setups, yes. Yeah, he's kind of the voice of reason and goes, look, like, look at it from her angle. You're supposed to be your friends, and you're staying neutral in an argument that you should not be neutral in. And I think that was really intuitive of him. I still don't understand why we haven't seen Dolores' boyfriend. Um, I know, that's interesting. And only her husband, but, I mean, modern family to each their own. Yeah. So then, Siggy kind of feels bad, and she, like, decides to, like, offer her apologies and, of course, go bow to the queen, because they need to be good with Teresa to stay on the show, guys. Okay, like, this is important. (laughs) Like, you fight with everyone. Yeah, (laughs) you fight with everyone else, but not Teresa. Right. So she says that, she, you know, the reason, and I think Teresa had kind of calmed down at that point and kind of is able to see the reasoning, whether it's valid or not, they still need to film. Okay. They still need a season. Right. So right, of course. Dolores, Siggy says, well, we stayed in it because we didn't want to offend the charity's families, which again, like what you said, kind of a reach, but okay, sure. Because they're so famous and they would have obviously been very missed if they weren't in the show. <laughs> right. Uh, of course. And, you know, Margaret made, like, this comment about, like, Hitler doing the dinner before to Siggy, and Siggy was really offended, kind of like how I put my foot in my mouth and called you a feminazi, so I apologize for that again. No, you're fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, all, it's all love. It's all So, good. I just think it's, like, a throwaway comment, kind of like how I said it. Edit. There's obviously no substance behind it. It was just a term, you know, and I just think that yeah. Margaret kind of used the Hitler thing, like, who is the most evil person I could think of, and that's who she went right. with. Right. Not really thinking. Right. It was, like, a heat of the moment, so I think that's a little, again... A stretch is what we're taking. A reach is what we're taking with these comments. Um, So Siggy's still in shock, but she's, you know, despite her issues, she obviously wants to go to Milan because they need to film there in order to make it a good show. But she's only going to go if Dolores can come. Now, Teresa's not really feeling Dolores lately, but I think she, there's genuine love there. They've known each other for a long time. And I think Teresa kind of feels like I want, to stay friends with her because she knows so much of my stuff. Right. And mm-hmm. so she calls Melissa and tells Melissa, like, is it okay if Dolores comes after she got in your face? And Melissa goes, yeah, but just know she's on my shit list. So they're all going to Milan and I cannot Yay! wait. It's going to be great. Yeah, and then also just like a quick side note, I really thought it was really sweet, and uh, we talked about sweet moments on the show. We like to remind ourselves that these people are human and have feelings, <laughs> but I really liked the little snippet with um, Joe Gorga and Melania, and where they kind of discussed how they both miss her grandma a lot, and she, you know, she yes. says she sees her, that was and sweet. I thought that... I thought that was really sweet, and then I also liked the psychic with Joe and Teresa, whether the you psychic? believe in it... Uh-huh. It was amazing. No, I was going to yeah. say it was amazing. I thought. Yeah. It's just really powerful. And when you're grieving like that, especially over a parent or someone close to you, sometimes those things really do make a difference. And 
and again whether you believe it or not i i do but whether you don't i think it's just nice to see someone just be comforted by the fact that everything is okay on the other side yeah you just need to hear it you know i agree yeah yeah no it was and you can tell that they were both really shocked like yeah they were it was so emotional and just i i don't know i mean i was really impressed by that psychic i i thought she got it some really potentially like pretty specific details um that were really cool and they obviously struck a chord with Teresa and joe and and melissa and it was yeah i think you and i should save our change and try to contract her (laughs) i know (laughs) try to see probably really expensive (laughs) i know definitely can't afford (laughs) yeah like rich people love again psychics like the one percent therapists but they do love psychics (laughs) yeah not a huge fan of constructive thought processes and coping mechanisms huge fan of the supernatural exactly exactly (laughs) that seems to solve everything yeah so that's new jersey and atlanta right now people it's getting good those are the two it is uh, getting good housewives on right now that i'm just really into they just they are there's no other franchise on right now is there no oh wow i just had like right i just had like oh beverly hills no, you're right. In a few weeks. You're right. Yeah, in a couple you're weeks. Right. Yeah. Be back. And, th- and that'll be good. That but yeah, good. That'll be that's, uh, that's New Jersey and Atlanta for you. Woohoo. It's good. It's good. I'm glad I didn't lose my voice because I felt like I was, but I got through it. No, we made it through. <laughs> made it through. And yeah. it was totally worth it. Got to the other side. Yeah. So uh, thanks for tuning in to this week's pod- ep- ooh, podcast episode of Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. Um, again, my uh, quote this week was from Teresa Giudici. Oh, tagline. <laughs> There's an actual <laughs> term for that. My tagline this week was, I'm a Jersey girl and no one can knock me down. And again, I went with Siggy Flicker, also of New Jersey. Some people think I'm too much. They're absolutely right. Yeah. For more politics and Real Housewives side dish, subscribe to us on iTunes at Thugs and Cocktail Dresses and follow us on Tumblr at Thugs in Cocktail Podcast and Instagram at Thugs and Cocktail Dresses. And like our Facebook page. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.